When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with myself, your host, Sean Basto, shortly to be joined by co-host Jordy Neald. But before we get into this episode to discuss the weekend's action, I just need to give a shout-out to our sponsors, as always. It's Bear Attack Boxing, providing high-quality boxing gloves and boxing equipment fresh from their website, which is www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. And they're all over social media. If you look for them, Bear Attack Boxing, you'll find them and you'll see all the latest news all the latest products get over there and check them out so also before we get into the episode i want you to go and find us all over social media at btr boxing pod and btr boxing podcast on facebook please go and find us on any of the available podcasting apps out there which includes apple podcasts which includes spreaker spotify which includes podbean go and find us on there Leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, get all the latest episodes of BTR Boxing Podcast, which includes Legendary Nights, The Life and Times of Ones to Watch, and The Promoter Life, as well as our weekly episodes. So, Jordi, it's been an eventful weekend for boxing. Some uh, great instances of, of fights that have happened and some you know, deserved victories, but also some controversy as well over the weekend. What are your initial thoughts about this weekend's boxing? Yeah, a bit of a crazy one, you know, entertaining for us all, but um, you know, there's not really anywhere to start other than Amy Khan and Terence Crawford. It was, um, <laughs> you know, it was not the really the ending that anyone envisioned or or wanted, really. And you know, some people think he quit, and uh, Amy Khan quit, and some people think he was, you know, right to to be pulled out. But it's just one of them. It's it wasn't really a conclusive ending. It doesn't really do anything for either fighter. I think Amy Khan can probably carry on, and everyone just forget this fight happened. And for Terence Crawford, it's just. You know, just another victim on his on his uh, CV, really. It was a weird, it was a weird fight, to be honest with you. I mean, from from the off, 
Khan looks uh, a little bit out of his depth for, for me. He obviously got dropped straight away in round one, and straight away I was thinking, this is, you know, this is it. He's, he looks like, although Khan has, has, has done some great things in the sport, it looked like he was a, a complete shell of his former self. And I don't think that, that the rounds did anything for him. I didn't think, I didn't feel like he was in the fight at all, to be honest. I felt like Crawford uh, dominated the fight, and Khan just looked like what we've been suspecting for his last couple of fights, really, which was that he's looking like he's maybe on the slide a little bit and you know we're quick we're always quick enough to throw that phrase out there but I think you know this really made it look like Khan was was you know was ready for ready for retirement to be honest with you and I hate using the word oh he should retire but I mean a lot of people have said it for a long time you know he's done enough for the sport he's been a great servant to the sport but when you start to see him get obliterated and you know decimated in in, in the way he was and broken down to get to that point where you know, this is what we're going to talk about now. He, did he seemingly quit? Did he not quit? Did his corner pull him out? I mean, what 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 was your interpretation of that ending? I don't think he quit just based on the basis of like what he's done in his career in terms of you know he's proven that he'll, he'll, he he will get knocked out and then he'll, he'll you know he's been knocked out more than once. He's never really shown anything to suggest he would he would ever quit in the ring or anything like that. I, I don't know whether it was a bit of you can't say inexperienced because of how experienced he is, but. You know, they look to be like a communication breakdown between him and Virgil Hunter. I'm not sure that's a partnership that's ever worked, really, for me. You know, it's not really been the partnership or the trainer-fighter relationship that, you know, you'd probably need at the top end of the sport. But I think you're probably right. He was comprehensively outboxed, which is not something we've seen. I mean, I can't, you know, be, be victim of before in his career. He really, although he's been knocked out at times, he's never really been you know, broken down and boxed because he's got such great boxing ability himself. But, you know, maybe he's not the fighter he was in his prime. But I just can't I just can't jump to the conclusion that he quit so so easily really because he's shown in the past just how much ball he actually does have and, you know, he's never swallowed it before. He's never even showed the sign of swallowing it swallowing it. He's took some of the biggest tests and biggest like most courageous fights we've seen in the last couple of years. Just think back to the Canelo fight at like middleweight or whatever he went to. You know, he's not he's, he's never shown that he quit before, so it's just one it's a bit of a weird situation and as I said to you before, I don't I think I mean you can't come fight on because it's sort of a you know, he went knocked out, he went absolutely beaten for twelve rounds where it's just sort of it's basically a non contest for me. Yeah, I can kinda of see where you're going with, with, with that. I think uh, my my interpretation of that ending, Jordy, was that I don't think he quit the fight. I think there appeared to be a little bit of confusion going on in the corner. He took a shot which looked like it was on the thigh, but could have easily caught the cup and basically hurt his bollocks anyway. And I'm not denying that. However, he he did he did technically get five minutes in the rules to to take a timeout and make sure he got himself composed. But he was looking at his corner, and and it looked like maybe Virgil. For me, my interpretation of it is. Virgil was probably not happy with the performance, probably felt like he was getting completely outboxed, which he was, and maybe he felt like it was time to, to, to pull him out. And the subsequent interviews and, and press conferences afterwards indicate that, as you said, Khan's not been a quitter and not known for being a quitter because he'd rather go out in his shield. And it seems like there was some confusion in the corner. I watched it again, and the doctor got up on the ring apron after seemingly speaking to, to, to Virgil Hunter, and the doctor was the one that told the referee he's finished, and then the referee waved it off, and it was like, what the hell's going on here? Khan never quits like this. Khan doesn't quit on his yeah. stool no matter what instance he's been in no matter if he's been outboxed he goes out on his shield he always has done and he you know he always will do if he carries on and I can I can understand why you're saying it should be a no contest there was a lot of confusion over that ending could he come again could he fight in another big fight again 
Uh, yes, yes, I certainly think he's still got that resume and that name behind him for other fighters in the division to, to go in with him. Yeah. Do we want to see him I fight? I think he's competitive at probably world level, but you know, not elite level like the Crawfords and the Spencers of, of the world. You know, they are a class above even world class fighters for me. You know, there's a couple of there's a couple of ways you can break down ranking, so to speak. So obviously domestic and then fringe world level, but then you've got world level fighters. But then you've also got a bracket above that of like elite fighters who will be remembered for years and years and years to come. And I think Terence Crawford's there already, and you know the likes of Errol Spencer probably on the way as well. And you know Spencer Crawford is pretty much the biggest fight in the world at the moment, but to be made. But yeah, I think Amir Khan definitely not what he was, but you know. I'm, on pure boxing ability, he could still be in big fights, but I'm not sure I want to see it. I think he's made enough money, and you know he's got an amazing CV. He's seen every in the boxing world's got to offer. He's fought every bills in you know all America, and he's been world champion. Just you know maybe maybe a little bit of fire has gone out of him. But, you know what a career he can he can retire on if he if he does decide to call it a day now. But just another interesting point that I found is he took a low blow against Garcia. That, when was the Garcia fight? Was that 2011? No, it might have been a bit whenever it was. Anyway, he took a low blow in that fight and it was a very similar shot and you know he, he literally just banged his gloves together and said right yeah said to the ref I don't need the rest I'm going to go on but in his post fight interviews he sort of said he didn't really know the rules about the five minute break and stuff so there's so much conflict and information and you know everyone's got a different opinion and we're hearing different vibes from Khan, Crawford and even Virgil Hunter so yeah it's just a very confusing situation but you know we, I would have wanted a more conclusive ending to that fight really yeah I think I think really Crawford probably deserved uh, the, the, what looked like it was going to be an eventual you know stoppage down the line which is what a lot of us predicted which was yeah. he'd take over in the second half for the fight even more and, and possibly stop him later on which is what it looked like it was going to be I was just saying before you was talking about the, the, the career of Khan, this dreaded Kell Brook fight that has been talked about for God knows how many years, is that something you'd want to see him go out on or would you would you not want to see that? I don't want to see it, but I think he could definitely go out on it. You know, I think the current state of affairs with the zone and Sky Sports and, you know, the current level of bill that Sky Sports is being given or putting on, you know, I could definitely see them snapping up um, Brook versus Khan, but it's like, it's just not the fight it was. I don't think it's a possibly be the fight it was no matter what happened now I don't think either either man's the fighter they were so it's just sort of the both you know coming downhill rather than going up it where they were when we were when we first started speaking about this that must have been what five years ago six years ago mm, when, yeah. when we first talked about this fight it could have been even longer it's just it's it's gone on too long but I can definitely see it happening whether I want to see it or not is, is a different different um, conversation I think Eddie Earn will still have them dollar signs in his eyes because he'll still see this as a marketable fight which understandably probably is still a marketable fight when you look at it regardless of what people think of whether they want to see it or they don't see it I think there's still people that'll tune in and want to watch it so for me I don't say I want to watch it if it it comes about and it's there will I watch it? Yeah of course I will I want to see basically which which one will go out because essentially well both of them could go out on on retirement factors here because I can't see what, what else both guys are going to be able to do in the sport you know they've both taken uh, losses recently and they've both 
both looking like they're on the potential decline and they're both a similar age, 32, going on 33. Is there anything else for them both to be able to do in the sport? Probably not. So it's a marketable fight. It's one that's been talked about too much and should have happened three or four years ago. But I suppose if it happens, you know, people will watch it and people will probably be daft enough to pay for it as well. But I'm not really interested in seeing Khan carry on. But if it's there, then, then of course I'm going to be intrigued to see how it actually all turns out after all the years of hype between them. Yeah, I think Khan is going to go on probably, you know, a lot longer than, than this fight. I just don't think he's got much going on outside the box and I don't think he's you know you see some fighters who've got things lined up and they go into punditry or you know different businesses or stuff like that I just don't see that with Amir Khan I think his whole you know world is obviously his family but then you know it's boxing it's not he's not I can't really see Amir Khan being a pundit so to speak just sort of I'm not sure he knows what he's going to do after boxing and I think we could see him even for an, another number of years yet in my opinion yeah there is a potential for that I think you you know I can agree with what you're saying and I can see that happening I, I personally wouldn't want to see it happen but I suppose it's no. it's wherever the money is at the end of the day these guys are trying to make a living and wherever they can make a living they're going to do it so it's hard we're not we, we can sit here and criticise and speculate all we want but at the end of the day yeah. it's, it's them guys that have got their their futures and their families and whatever that's else that's sort of the point I wanted to make like try and get across with the whole quitting thing like you know as a man not to be too crooked or whatever but you know if you get a knock on the bollocks it kills me it, it you know it absolutely wipes you out so for people to say oh it was just his thigh you know it all motion's great to say yeah it hit his thigh but you know I used the comparison the other day in the football when um, Tottenham scored the goal and he broke it down and every every angle the ball went in off a different part of the striker's body you know slow motion's not actually like truly reflective of what happened so to take a, a shot even remotely close to the ball from a future Hall of Famer and Terence Crawford you know you can't you can't level quitting at someone who's just been on the receiving end of that whether it was just a glancing shot or it didn't quite hit them flush it's still going to wipe you out you know what I mean and you know Unless you've actually took one of them or, you know, from someone like Terry Crawford, I just don't think you're in any position to be giving your opinion sort of thing. But, yeah. you know, people will always level things around me, can and they're sometimes looking to level another thing at them. You know, the chinny things run out of expiry date now. Mm-hmm. They're looking for something else. Yeah, and I guess he, he'll, he'll always be a victim of that, I guess. Yeah, no, again, I can't really dispute that. I think that's just, just the way his career has gone to date. So that wasn't the only event going on this weekend. Obviously, here in the UK, we had the matchroom bill headlined with Dave Allen and Lucas Brown. And finally, Dave Allen rises to the occasion. All the all the opportunities and fighters and level of fighters he's been in the ring with. And he got his opportunity to headline an event. Uh, and he won with a body shot, which was uh, quite ironic, actually, I I wasn't expecting it to go down that way and he he knocks out Lucas Brown and headlines an event wins and puts himself probably in contention in the future for a British title what did you make of that? I think it's a great shot, you know. I sort of if if that shot was thrown by, you know, someone who's a bit, you know, more well known, if that was an American throwing that shot or someone a bit high more high rated than David Dave Allen, you know, you'd be raving about it. It was pretty much a perfect body shot. It was a brilliant shot and it absolutely crippled Lucas Brown. I mean in but in the general sort of scheme of things, I'm not sure what Lucas Brown's got left. He looked sort of I don't want to say he looked happy to get beat, but you know, after the fight he didn't really look, you know, gutted or anything like that. I'm, I'm not sure what the motivation behind Lucas Brown is anymore. Money. But for Dave Allen, it's you know it's a ticket to the big time. He's probably going to be top fifteen ranked now with the governing body and you know, right on the cusp of some big fights. And he, he keeps the back 
kind of my dream and the end who's he's quickly becoming at the end a little project I know he has been for a while but that's not a bad position to be in in terms of you know, getting put on these big shows but yeah I'm not, I, I don't know how not to be disrespectful to Dave Allen or anything like that I, I, I like the guy I like the story and stuff but I don't know how flattering the result is I'm not sure what Lucas Brown's got left in terms of motivation and probably ability as well I think one of the things that were quite concerning and a lot of people on Twitter were pointing out was that although he got that knockout and it was a great finish to the fight for him, you know, in the rounds preceding the third round, he was taking quite a few shots off Lucas Brown and them shots were, you know, in all intense purposes, but they were quite slow for a heavyweight. I know heavyweights are big guys, but they, they yeah, looked they really look slow. Them, no, no, and, and he was taking them as well. And so he took quite a few, to be honest with you, before he, he was able able to land a few shots and I noticed the tactics were from Alan were to slow him down because you know he was throwing shots to the body constantly from round one and that was obviously the game plan was to slow him down and maybe stop him a little bit later than what they anticipated but he was still taking too many for my liking and and he's not going to be able yeah. to he's not going to be able to do that if he's going to fight some of these other British heavyweight contenders you know with the likes of Dubois or Gorman or Joe Joyce you know any of these guys he's not going to be able to get away with it against guys like that, that are yeah. fit, fitter and faster do you know what I mean I don't like this granite chin sort of um, alter ego thing you know like I see him saying in the press conference if, it, if the plan doesn't work I'm going to let him punch me in the face until he can't go anymore <laughs> you know I, I sort of think he's been fed that information like your chin's granite and you can't be knocked out you, you know no one's going to no one. in heavyweight boxing it, it's not even it's it, you, you literally can't say that I get in the lower weight division someone can have a great chin but I just don't believe you can have that sort of you can have that ability at heavyweight boxing. I think, as you say, if any of the British fighters he's going to fight next, just his orders, prices, even some of the ones on the way up, Gorman's, the Boaz, as you said, if they're teeing off on him like that, I'm just not sure he's still standing there. Maybe I know he did stand up against White and Ortiz and stuff like that, but he's took a lot of stick since there. Since then, you know, he went to Paris and got absolutely obliterated by Tony Yoka. Took a lot of damage, retired on the back of that because he, you know, took so much damage. And, you know, I know Tony Yoka was reduced, but still, all in miles are just adding onto the clock. And, you know, I just don't like the, the, the granite chin thing. I think he's got enough ability to be able to dodge that and not have to, you know, show everyone how tough he is. We already know how tough he is. He's a heavyweight boxer, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, see how it, we'll see how things progress for him. I mean, I expect and anticipate that maybe he. He will be on the undercard of the recently announced Dillian White fight, which we'll touch yeah, on a little definitely. bit later on. I expect that to be the case, but I'll be honest with you. But the most impressive performance of the night on that card for me was Joe Cordina's destruction of Andy Townend. What did you make of Joe Cordina's performance? Oh, I mean, Joe Cordina for me is probably one of the. I don't know if you can call him prospect now. You know, he's, he's sort of with the cold. He's just racking up these titles, but in terms of ability, he's just absolutely effort, it's, it's effortless for him, and you know. You know, you know full well I've got a bit of a gripe with Josh Kelly and the showboating and stuff. You know, give me a Joe Cordina seven days a week. You know, he just he's everything about him is so rounded, he's so relaxed, he's got pretty much every punch in the book. You know, he just gets the job done. He's he's not there's no flashiness, but it's just so efficient. It's just like you no know, poor Andy Townend for to give him his credit, he was still trying, and but he just had no answer for what Joe Cordina had. He's literally got every punch in the book, and he just does it so effortlessly, and he, he pulls off shots when, like, you know, he, he should be defending, and you know, I think he just broke Andy Town and heart in the end. But you know, the fights Joe Cordina can have going forward is just is just like 
it is so exciting for us as fans and I think Saturday night was a bit of a breakout for Joe Corbyn and I think you're going to see him you know in bigger fights now you know it was really impressive it was it was my uh, fight of the night in terms of, of, of the way it went down in impression, impression wise he was brilliant and I do look forward to seeing where his career goes in, in the Welsh boxing scene at the moment there's a lot of talk of him fighting another prospect who's at a similar level to him which is Gavin Gwynn and he's also been in some tough fights which obviously have not been televised because he's not had that promotion he's under Sanagar promotion so he's not had that sort of television exposure uh, because of yeah. the fact he's not an Olympian like Cordina was however that is a brilliant fight and that is one I know a lot of the Welsh fans uh, and the hardcore sort of Welsh boxing scene fans are really sort of mooting for and yeah, it'd be a great opportunity to Gavin Glynn I mean you know just personally I don't think he's got the power to get you know Joe Cordina's respect and I think, you know, Joe Cordina is probably just a better all-round fighter. But I think, you know, for Welsh boxing to put, you know, if you take that back there and put a you know, bit of a headliner on, I'm sure the Welsh fans would get, would get out to support that. And, you know, everyone loves a derby. But, you know, I don't think domestically there's that many lightweights who are going to live with Joe Cordina. But he's sort of in that, in that bit of limbo at the moment because the jump to, you know, world level at lightweight is, you know, it's a really, really big jump. There's some absolute killers. Yeah, there is. Well, let's talk about Josh Kelly then. You touched on him a little bit earlier on about the showboating and about the fact that it is really annoying to see him do that and just to give my brief thoughts on the situation I was watching it and tweeting about it on Saturday night and for me Josh Kelly is a very talented young fighter however he reminds me very much of the cocky attitude of Prince Nazim Hamed who he was a Marmite guy back then he was either loved or he was hated for his style now Josh Kelly is great at what he does but in terms of the showboating and arrogance within the ring I genuinely I do feel like that's going to be the undoing of him down the line. I think that's going to be the unraveling of, of, of him as a fighter when he comes up against somebody. You can match him pound for pound in the ring and match him skill for skill. And I think that's where he's, he's potentially going to come undone. He got a great great win over an undefeated fighter who, who was really tough. You know, he was 17 fights in. Yeah, but they're probably all going to be Polish plumbers. But at the end of the day, he was still an undefeated fighter who'd not tasted it before. And you could tell he'd not tasted defeat because he kept on coming and coming and still throwing shots even though Josh Kelly was was, was outdoing him really well at times but Jordy what are your thoughts then I mean on the performance but also as as a fighter where do you see sort of Josh Kelly going I mean I, I, I do agree with you I'm not his biggest fan but I absolutely agree that he's you know he's amazingly talented he's got brilliant shot selection he's you know his reflexes are brilliant and stuff like that and I love Adam Booth but I think the whole persona is a bit forced for me like you know the dancing to the ring and it, stuff like that you've got to get it so right because there's such a fine line between oh this guy this guy's great look how funny he is and this guy's the most cringeworthy person I've ever seen in my life and I just think he's crossing the line into the cringeworthy zone for me I mean the showbone is is what it is. It's it happens at all levels, but I don't like seeing them do it when it's unnecessary. You know, there's got to be substance behind behind the stupidness or behind the hype. And I look through his, his CV, and you know, let's just touch on Cordina and stuff like that, and even Lauren Ciccoli. You look at the at what they're doing, and just they just seem to be a bit further ahead. And not maybe they are in numbers of the fights, but I mean, in terms of levels, and you know, someone needs to explain to me what the reason is that Josh Kelly is not getting pushed into the competitive fight in the same way they are. All we hear from Eddie Ayn is, you know, you know, we're matching people, you know, early now and 
if they're not up for that, then they're getting left by the wayside. But it seems to me like Josh Kelly's getting matched very, very, very carefully. The guy you fought Saturday was 17 and 0, three KOs. That's, that, that to me is a bit of shrewd matchmaking and someone's trying to protect something. I don't know what it is, but you know, you've got to play devil's advocate and ask why. And I don't think he's, he's being matched as competitively as his PNGB counterparts. And, I just don't see. I see the ability, but I don't get the hype without the substance. And, you know, I don't... There's a bit of shadow around my pull out against Avanissian. I don't see them shouting for that fight now. And, you know, I, I just don't know if they're protecting Josh Kelly a little bit. It's it's It makes you think, doesn't it? I think that, for me, it makes you think about whether they are potentially protecting him from going in with a fighter who will cause him a lot of nightmares in the ring. And Avanissian was one of them fighters who I think maybe they felt he was right for the picking at the time. But then, obviously, at the last minute you know I mean he might have genuinely been ill and that's why they pulled out but we know yeah. a lot of things you've got to ask the question on you yeah of course you have of course you you know, got, you've got to ask that question is, is a nightmare as well because you get no credit for beating him but he's such a talented he's such a good fighter but he doesn't have the, the profile so he's not if Josh Kelly was to beat Avanissian everyone go oh, yeah well done you beat someone who beat Shane Mosley who was like 58 or whatever it's not like you don't get the credit that you deserve to beat someone who's as good as David Avanissian and you know, I just don't think they fancied that. And, you know, he proved how good of a fight it is going over to Bilbao and lifting that European title away from, you know, the L- Larage or whatever his name is that we were sort of talking about a couple of months ago as being <laughs> going to America and, and signing the top rank. And it's, it, it's like, it, I don't know. I mean, that fight's going to be covered in doubt for a while. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just waiting to see something from Josh Kelly, to be honest. And I just, I'm not sure where that role's leading. We'll see, we'll see where it leads over the next few months and probably 12 months to see what sort of matchmaking to do for him then. Uh, another fight on the card which I'm not even going to really give it any sort of depth to was Derek Chisora's win over Sanad Gashi which was an absolute stink fest. Uh, a young uh, looking, poor man's looking Tom Hardy came out and absolutely ran rings around that squared circle all night long. He wasn't there to fight like he promised he was going to be. He had a full camp for this fight but yet looked better when he fought Takam on about three days notice and that just kind of said to me that he was only there for the money Chizora picks up the win, he moves on he's shouting for another big fight and that's really that for me, I don't really want to touch on it anymore because I'm not really interested in, in, in if I'm being honest, where Chizora's career goes, I'm not, I'm not you know, it sounds harsh but I think he's had his time and I don't think I want to concentrate on that, I'd rather focus on some of the other guys on the card and Conor Ben was another one who gets a lot of slating and and gets a lot of shit, and he picked up a victory on Saturday night against uh, again an unknown, an unknown fighter. He was ten and two at the time, so he moves on to fourteen and zero. Now gets a victory. Looks a little bit more composed in this fight. I've got to add, yeah. but again, I still feel it's against a guy who he was well matched against. And one of the things I was tweeting about on on Saturday night was that, and it's a true fact, this, and I think you'll probably agree. If Conor Ben wasn't the son of Nigel Ben and he was uh, an independent fighter just trying to make his way through the rankings there's no way he would be fighting on shows like this he would still be fighting in leisure centres yeah I mean that I think he's probably knows that himself though to be honest I mean he's quite he's quite honest in his reflection of himself and I think he's definitely improving you know we've gone from seeing someone who in his first couple of fights he just looked like a kid who was being flung in there and just swinging for for his life, you know, but now he's really developing a very, very good jab. You know, he's got a good shot selection. He's he's quick. He's he's shown that he can go to the well in them fights against Paynard. And you know, he's only 22, and you know, we've just been criticising Josh Kelly about him being protested and you know, good matchmaking. But 
Josh Kelly had 150 amateur fights and was a Team GB star. You know, he shouldn't be getting this protection. Conor Ben had 12 archer fights and he's 22 years of age. He's he's like, you know, he's still, he literally is just still a, a novice in the sport. And I think you're completely right about his dad and, you know, the, the opportunities coming his way because of that. But, you know, I think he's definitely improving. He's definitely going to be in good fights because he, I think he might be one of them guys who reverts the type as soon as he gets hit in a big fight. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of think that as well. You know, He's going to be. He's going to be in some good fights, and you know he's, he's coming along slowly but but surely. And I think he's trying to. I think he might have seen what we're sort of talking about in the Josh Kelly thing, and hoping to get him sooner rather than later. Because we could be completely wrong, and Josh Kelly could be an absolute <laughs> one. The kid is going to go on and dominate divisions, but you know I, I think we'll see kind of been in big fights, and I do think he is improving definitely. So other fights on the cards, and other victories for guys like Sam Hard returning to the ring. John Harden Jr., also known as Jay Pester. Uh, Sam Cox moved to 4 0. Shannon Courtney got a victory, her second professional victory in as many fights. And the matchroom prospect Nikita Abibai also picked up his fourth win of his career so far. So that made up that particular card on Saturday night. And another fight that was on over the weekend, which I'll be totally honest I've not watched the fights I've just seen the results so I'm not going to touch too much on them but I just wanted to get your your thoughts briefly on the careers uh, of these particular individuals so Danny Garcia picked up another win on Saturday night and he's looking for another big fight in the welterweight division what do you see next for Danny Garcia what's the the next logical step for him tough for that welterweight world level because it's a bit of a round roll at the minute and I think you know Errol Spence is probably going to fight Sean Porter you know I can't maybe the um, oh my god his name completely Keith Thurman you know maybe maybe they get it on again or you know even a Crawford but I think I don't think Danny Garcia can really afford another defeat at that le- at that like top level because I mean I think at the moment he's got a couple of defeats that are looked at as credible and, and stuff like that but he, um, he can't really afford another defeat because that wouldn't literally force him to fight at a, a lower level but yeah, I think he'd be, in a, he'd be in another exciting fight but he might have to be, just be patient with it for, for a while and try and maybe piss the, piss the right fight but I know he's not that keen on coming to the UK he's, he's been quite vocal in the past about the taxes and stuff like that so I think that sort of rules that out but yeah he's going to be he's in a bit of a bad situation Danny Garcia because he's sort of like who needs him you know he's a bit of a he's a bit of a long night for anyone and unless he gets himself into a position where he's forced and fight you know I think that's his only way to to a big fight at the moment but you know maybe Amir Khan rematch again and you know there's all that stuff that they can fly around but yeah I think he might just have to be a bit patient but he's a very talented fighter he always has been though yeah I'm looking forward to seeing what other fights he gets involved in over the next 18 months because there's still obviously a market for him to be involved I just think he's he's been shown uh, he's been shown against him how to beat him now I think that's been shown and I think that's the difficulty the invincibility factor's gone with him you know and, and as of that now we've got other special boxers in the division like your Crawfords and Spences and even Sean Porter the way he's had a, a career resurgence you know there's, there's, there's some great fights out there for him. Just briefly on another one that was on over the weekend that people will have probably overlooked and not thought about is heavyweight Andy Ruiz Jr. picking up a win over Alexander Dimitrenko uh, in the fifth round I believe it was he got a stoppage over Dimitrenko he was quite faded at this point but Andy Ruiz Jr. is another guy who obviously has only got the one defeat on his on his record but has been talked about as a, a potential matchup for guys like Deontay Wilder. Uh, there's not been any talk of him with Joshua of course but he's a guy that's still sort of sitting around there at, at fringe level. Uh, do you see any any potential matchups for any of our British fighters against Andy Ruiz Jr.? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would like to see it. He, 
Andy Ruiz Jr. It's so like it's so deceiving because he he doesn't look like he should be great, but you know he's quite a very it's a very very talented boxer. He's got like a lot of skill, but you know I've seen a couple of reports over the weekend that they're sort of trying to line up the Adam Kalnaki fight, who's who was in the room for the Joshua fight and stuff like that. And he's very talented. I think he I think he is fighting out of America, where he's a he's a Polish fighter. But so yeah, maybe they're lining that up. But yeah, Andy Ruiz is a good addition to the to the heavyweight scene. He's been around for a while, but in Africa for one reason or another. But yeah, he is very talented. He just doesn't look like he should be. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look like your stereotypical boxer, does he? Uh, heavyweight well, division. But then again, so do a lot of them. I mean, you look at a few names that I can reel off. Tyson Fury's one of them. Nathan Gorman, British boxer. He doesn't look like. He's, yeah, he's, he, he's, looks, he's, he looks like he should be terrible, shouldn't he? But he's, he's not. Very, very cool. <laughs> I know exactly. So there's a few of them out there. So there's a potential for him to be involved in some in some good heavyweight fights soon. But that leads yeah. us on nicely then to the heavyweight division and what's been going on. And you touched on it briefly there about the Joshua fight everybody knows I'm not going to be giving anybody any new information here by telling you that Jarrell Miller big baby Miller failed three yes three drugs tests for various different substances now the amount of times me and you have sat here and slated Canelo for it and slated other fighters for it um, baby Miller man what what three drug tests failed and one of them you have to physically inject it into yourself so how can you actually sit there and deny you've taken banned substances and we've been quite vocal about Jerome Miller. I just didn't. I didn't get the whole thing from from the word go. I just it just it was, it was insane to me that being twenty three stone and even being able to fight at that level. I did. I never suspected he was on all them drugs. I'll be honest. I'm not trying to say I'm some sort of psychic or whatever. But you know, I didn't get the hype. I didn't get the whole thing around him. But to, 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 it actually is the biggest. I know we've seen so many drug dealing in this in this sport. It's got to be the most high profile. The most like absolutely absurd like it's almost to the point of not being believable but like the fact he's done separate failings and then he comes out on Instagram and says I didn't do it you know I'm going to fight me I'm going to fight me corner and you know this sport's about integrity and then we've got reporters coming out I forget who it was but he was saying no it might have been someone who was part of his promotional team in in, in the States not just not the Eddie inside saying you know you can't you can't underestimate this being involved with his with him being an African-American heavyweight. And, <laughs> the good old like, race you know, card. It, 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 it literally got that far. And then the next day, he's on Instagram again saying, yeah, sorry, I made a mistake. I'm going to make up for it. I'm, I'm really hurting over this side. It's just like, it's absolutely laughable, as I say. It's to the point of it not even being believable. You actually think they're taking the piss at one point, but, you know, I, I just don't see how he recovers from this. It's the biggest scandal the, the sport's probably ever seen. It's absolutely ludicrous, to be honest with you, Jordi. And, and the thing is, it is one of the biggest scandals we've seen for a little while and it's worse than anything I've seen for actually quite a long time from thinking about it like it's, it's absolutely ridiculous and the thing is the sad thing about the state of affairs in boxing is it's like you know what's going to happen he's going to end up getting a 6 to 12 month ban and a fine and then he'll be back and he'll probably end up with a bloody heavyweight title shot next year which is the sad thing about the state of affairs in boxing when these guys are able to come back and do that now the same thing happened with Canelo although the substance you know he he was found to to have had in his system. It's, it's all bad, and I'm not justifying when I say this next comment, but it was ten times worse. Levels to yeah, there's there is. You're right. There's levels to sort of 
the, the the substances that are found in your system and you know with Canelo with him being such a marquee star and the money making factor of it it was obviously going to not give him a massive ban getting back in there because the money rules everything and that's the problem and the thing with Jarrell Miller is that he hasn't brought any money to the table he hasn't done anything of note yet so why not make an example out of him uh, and, and do and I mean you know what actually thinking about it there's people out there that are saying to him oh you can't give him a lifetime ban just ban the guy just ban him make an example out of him show the sport that they mean business and get rid of all the cheaters in the sport and get get them out get them out and this should be an example to them to do that but you know what's going to happen they ain't going to do it they'll give him a six to twelve month ban with a five grand ten grand fine whatever it is and he'll be fighting for a title next year yeah you're so right and you know that's what's going to stop the sport from growing the sport's in literally the best place it's ever been it's got more fans than it's ever had ever it's got you know people like us the podcast are popping up everywhere everyone's interested everyone loves it and then we just allow this you know this cancer of, of a problem just to just keep dragging the sport down and down but at the end of the day until the people at the very top can just look away from the dollar signs for one minute and just put the foot down and say lifetime ban you'll never get in a ring again with a license it might make other fighters think but at the moment they know they know that the worst that can happen to them is they're out for one training camp six months twelve months mate people take that take them rest voluntarily like like people go 18 months without to fight voluntarily you know six months is one training camp yeah it's the same you know oh if you come over to the UK and you know you see Cash Alley's just got a five month ban and ten grand fine for biting David Pye four times like what deterrence is that the next time someone's in a bit of trouble on a small old show do you just, do, do, you're going to see them bite again what's the worst that can happen them out for five months you know, I don't care at least I'm not getting filled in <laughs> it, it, that's literally how it is there's no deterrent whatsoever at any level yeah there's so so many levels to, to sort of wrongness in the sport and, and this is one of them and unless they do something significant it's never going to change and we've harped on about this for a long time in, in, in different episodes that we've covered and this is just another example of when stuff goes wrong and, and nothing gets done about it and I'd like to see what happens I'd like to think they'll do something more significant this time around but they probably won't so that leaves the question then now of who the next opponent is going to be who's going to be the filling opponent for, for Joshua's fight on the 1st of June now there's a lot of speculation of people like Michael Hunter He's an American. He's got a, a small fan base over in America. He's known. Probably a better fight than the Miller one, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's a cruiserweight, yeah, of course. Yeah. Naturally. Hunter's a good fight, I mean, you know, he doesn't quite have the profile or, you know, he's not going to throw throw stuff about like Miller would have done in fight week and all that stuff. But, you know, as a, as a out-and-out fighter, he's probably, well, he is a better fighter than Jarrell Miller. It's not, it's not hard. But, well, you know, I say it's not that, but I mean, at that, that, that level of heavyweight boxing, there's a lot of better fighters than Janelle Miller. I mean, I can't see them fighting Lewis Ortiz in seven weeks' notice. You know, I don't think Rob McCracken would let that happen. I think Joshua would fight him because he wants the status, but I can't see Rob McCracken letting him prepare for, you know, a Cuban southpaw with six weeks to go or whatever it is. It's just, despite the fact he's about 145, <laughs> it's just still not going to happen. No, I, I, I rule that but, one out. Yeah, I think, I think Michael Hunter will be, will be the one. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't really see anybody else taking that that spotlight. To be honest with you, I can't. I can't see who else feasibly would be able to be put into that spotlight so quickly. And, I think Pulev probably would have went in. I think Pulev would have been the one to get drafted in. You know, if he wasn't in the middle of a sexual harassment case or whatever he's got going on, that, that that's a funny subject. But you know, he's just an absolute lunatic after that. You know, all that stuff played out. But 
Yeah, I think he probably would have got the nod if he wasn't if he wasn't involved in all that shit. Yeah, yeah, I agree because he was obviously supposed to fight him before he got injured and yeah. Sakam replaced him. So there was there was obviously a market for that, but the likelihood is we'll hear this coming week of his opponent, and he's probably going to be Michael Hunter, and then we'll get to be able to talk about it in more detail in next week's episode once we've probably got a formal announcement. Uh, anything else, then, Jordy? This week is there anything I've missed out on big news wise uh, that we need to cover off? Uh, no, I don't. I don't believe so. I mean, the fact that the WBSS kicks off this weekend and nobody's got a clue. <laughs> it's got no UK TV coverage or anything like that. I mean, we got you got Tete Denier this weekend, which is a good fight. But yeah, don't. I'm not really sure how that that whole tournament's playing out and whether it's all rosy. I don't think it is. But you know, again, there's no there's no TV deal, and you know, the the tournament's just not what we always wanted it to be. When it came about, we were all buzzing and thought it was the you know the dog's bollocks. But it's just not seeming to get the uh, the attention this time. And I think this might well be a flat season. <laughs> what did you make of uh, George Groves and Cal Froch being on the punditry team and Sky Sports together? Yeah, I thought it went together. I thought they went together quite well, actually. I mean, I like the way George Groves speaks about boxing. And he, he breaks it. He breaks fights down brilliantly well, and you know, frotches, frotches, and he, he couldn't help with a couple of jabs. But yeah, I thought it worked well, and you know. Sky, uh, we've we've said plenty of time in the past. Sky, I've got to put a couple of people on the payroll that you know must be there by the skin of the teeth now, and I think he can do worse than George Groves. I think he's a very you know he's a very knowledgeable man, and he, he speaks very intelligently when it comes to boxing. I think there's one final thing really to touch on. News that came out of that particular event on Saturday night was the announcement of Dillian White fighting Oscar Rivas in July. I think it is, and he's going to be fighting Rivas, and it's going to be on pay per view. What the hell's going on there? Yeah. I think, you know, the only other option is Dillian White goes to America. I think that's sort of what I'd saying say in, in, in terms of the wages that he demands now. And you know, I, I think the Rivas fight's a bit of bad matchmaking, to be honest, because he's a very talented fighter. You know, he's not the name that Dillian White wanted, of course, not the name any of the fans wanted either. But, you know, he's talented. But even if Dillian White wins, what, what credit is he going to get? People are going to say, "Oh, you beat Oscar Rivas. No one's heard of him." But you know, to beat him is going to be quite a feat. It's going to be quite. It's going to have to be a good, polished, you know, well-rounded performance from Dillian White. So, you know, I think it's a bit of it's a bit of bad matchmaking for me. I think it's a risky fight. I think it's more. Yeah. There's more risk to it than there is reward, and I think that's the issue with the fight. The second issue is the fact that they've announced it to be a box office fight, and I don't believe at all that this is a box office fight, and they shouldn't be putting this on box office. And that's another issue no. that we've talked about so many times. Is Sometimes there's justifiable pay-per-views like the Parker White one from July last year. With the undercard and the way the undercard turned out to be, it made it worth the 20 quid. But at the moment, for me, until they actually announce some high-quality title fights on the undercard, some good matchmaking, then it's going to be difficult to sit there and justify it. And it's the reason why people go out and buy fire sticks and stream and stream on different websites and stream on Twitter or whatever. And that's why they do it for shit like this yeah I mean they're going to have to have a really good undercard that's for sure and you know they're already, I think Dave Allen's obviously a shoo-in to be on there because he brings people watching and he puts bums on seats so you know whether he fights Pricey or he fights Derek Chisora I think he's definitely going to be on there but then you know you're looking at your usual suspects then aren't you a Coley Lebedev could be an absolute stinker world mm-hmm. title fight but could be a shocker you know you're going to Probably, you know, personally, I'd like to see maybe another world title fight, but then, you know, try and get some domestic British title fights because, you know, more often than not, the the, the brilliant fights, the 
you know, twelve round wars and, you know, lads who whose whole, you know, dream is to win a British title and they leave it all on there. So, you know, if it was to me, obviously you get your Boatsies and stuff on there, but maybe get some British title fights and, you know, really try and give fans a, a like a, a top quality night of boxing from you know, from the way it goes six PM. But, you know, we'll we see how this one plays out. But yeah, it's it's a very risky one for Gillian White because you know, Oscar as I said, Oscar Rivas is very talented. It's you know, it's no um it's no secret that Tyson Fury didn't really fancy him as one of his comeback opponents and he's, it's just not it's just not something that I can see Billy might getting any credit for when he probably will deserve credit should he come through yeah I agree well that's it really I haven't got anything else to add to this week's episode and the reaction show I think we've covered off all the latest news that have come out over the past 48 hours uh, and all the scandals uh, and all the pay-per-view bullshit that we've got I think we've covered that all off and all the weekend's action as well so Jordy, is there anything else you'd want to add to this episode before we close it out normally just obviously great to get on and speak to you and you know I obviously love doing the podcast the podcast growing and you know long may that continue yeah so hopefully get get back on and be able to speak to you again next week I mean I've been surviving with no Wi-Fi for the last month <laughs> after moving home and you know I've been pretty much uncontactable but yeah really need to get back on with you well guys thank you then for listening Jordy thank you for coming on as always go and find us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook subscribe to us on all available podcasting apps out there thank you so much for listening we'll see you later on in the week for a weekend preview Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.